My guest today is Don Thompson. Don is the practice administrator for Panhandle Weight Loss Center, and he's also a partner in the surgery center that they own that's just across the street from their clinic. Don and I have worked pretty closely on some projects. Number one, because Panhandle is a client of Boost Bariatrics, and also we happen to live in the same town. Don, a little little history on Don. He managed a pretty large cardiac clinic that uh, he was there as they grew from a three-man group up to eight surgeons at the end there, and lots of ancillary businesses, uh, diagnostic support services, echo department, nuclear department, cardiac CT, and they had their own in-house cath lab. So, and then also on Fridays, that facility was licensed as an ambulatory surgical center. So lots of experience, super busy clinic that he came from and then made his way into the bariatric world. So Panhandle Weight Loss Center today has three bariatric surgeons, one general surgeon under the umbrella of Panhandle Surgical Group, and they've got a staff of about 24, so two and a half nurse practitioners, a couple of LV LVNs, and then various support staff. So they also do in-house billing and collections. And I've, I've, been, I've spent some time in that office with Don and Don has some of the most detailed financial reports that I've ever seen, which was kind of the genesis of this podcast episode. He's got some good things to say. I hope you enjoy. What are the financial things that you're keeping your eye on and, and measuring? I try to look for broken process. In every bariatric practice I've been involved with or consulted with, busyness is not a problem. Everybody's busy. But what are you busy on and is it efficient? Is it productive? Is it effectively improving patient care? So I look for trends in our practice, anywhere from financial trends to new patient trends, patients in process trends. Uh, so this morning I walked through, checked in, we've got about 236, I believe as of this morning, patients in process. Now, these are patients that have finished their consult and are moving through the various stages to get to surgery. Some of that is financial. Some of that is driven by insurance requirements. Some of that is, you know, necessary psychiatric evaluations or pulmonary evaluations, whatever the case may be. But what I'm looking for is that number 236 and how is that trending? We get it up as high as 300 to 325 at times. I've seen us go as low as 160 when we kind of get to the end of the year, clear out all the end of year surgeries and kind of start fresh. But yeah, if that number's sitting in that 250 to 225 range, I kind of know what that means going forward. We pulled a trend report this morning. I'm looking at January through June of this year, consults. I booked consults that showed up, consults that rescheduled, those that, that canceled outright and looking for trends up or down in any category. And also just looking at our, our total procedure volume and just making certain that I understand what the data is telling me. A conversation I had with one of the administrators this morning, she said, well, this is happening. So we'll quantify that. How much is it happening so that we don't chase a rabbit down a hole? Let's go make certain that is happening 30 times a month or three times a month. That particular issue turned out it was only three times a month and it's not something that's material, but again, it can be a rabbit hole that people start chasing if it gets talked about too much and it's not quantified. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and I know on some of those reports, you, you have, I don't know if anybody has the whole picture, but you have a lot of it. So you're looking at you know, leads that come in, you're looking at number of boost leads that come in, phone calls. And then, like you said, it funnels down into how many consults were booked, how many showed up, rescheduled, canceled. And when you do see something, so you, you're looking at those reports, not, not every clinic has that. Unfortunately, not everybody has someone who's paying attention to that. What's your, what's your perspective or advice or feedback? You know, if, if you're a solo practice and the surgeon is playing your role for the moment, what advice do you have for that person? I mean, can you easily create or get your hands on this report that shows the health of the pipeline of incoming patients? Can you do that if there's three, four, six people in the clinic and not a staff of 24? No, I think it's, it's much more difficult. You have to have somebody who knows how to pull the data from the EMR. You have to have someone who can look at the data with perspective and then go, oh, wait, yeah, this element is saying something. But then remember, we made a change in the way we were coding things or scheduling things three months ago. So you have to have some perspective on it. And I think that's one of the challenges is developing a staff that has a keen eye for perspective that can also not only just give you a data dump, but explain elements of that data so that there's not a, an underreaction or an overreaction to anything that might be on the page. Mm -hmm. All those pieces of information that you're looking at, are you going and, and compiling that or is, is each person responsible for their KPI that they hand into you? How does that go? It depends. Some of the data is provided to me by the, you know, the person in charge of that, that particular project or process. Some of it, it's pulled from the EMR by a staff member that understands we've got a specialist in-house on the EMR that is really good at pulling data and then dumping it into spreadsheets that I can then manipulate and trend or evaluate. And some of it, I go into the EMR myself, run reports and let. Do you take that on? Yes. Yeah. So you handle all those conversations and just fill those guys in as it needs to happen. Yeah. Blue and I had a conversation during the lunch break. He had an idea he wanted to discuss. I want to understand his ideas and his thoughts so that I know what data I need to go back and pull to make a, a good decision. You know, this particular conversation had to do with our, our nurse practitioners. We've had some changes in some of the work they were doing over the last six months. And I wanted to see how that was playing out as it related to the collections associated with those services. So we understand in our meeting next week. Uh, here's where we're at and here's the impact of what you're talking about. And it just helps us make decisions that are at least somewhat informed as opposed to just having a gut reaction and say, I want to just try this. Hmm. Well, what's the potential downside of trying that to operations, to cash flow, to our marketing or how we impact our patients. So it's, it's trying to provide good data to the business owners so that we make informed decisions and understand the potential impact of those decisions. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, a lot of physicians slash scientists slash surgeons, a lot of them, I think are very analytical, but it is interesting when it comes to some things in the business, you know, when we're working with 
private practice, a lot of times they make those big decisions and it seems like they don't have good data. They will be very emotional or do something that is hearsay. You know, I'll use an example, but Hey, my wife's cousin is in this one industry and they're making a lot of money on social media ads. Let's spend 2,500 bucks a month on social media ads with no type of evidence. One thing you did probably over a year ago was you asked for what's all the spend. Let's see that the leads coming in from that and how many consults and let's test spending another, I'll just make up a number, another $2,000 a month. Let's test that for six months and see how it goes. And we did, and we looked at the numbers and it made sense. And I would say that's a pretty rare, that's a pretty rare way to do it in private practice. It's a lot of throwing stuff up and not measuring it, going off of how you feel. Right. So that's one of the challenges of marketing. It always feels good to market when you see your face on the billboards or when you see your name out there, you feel like it's having an impact, but it may be a lot of feel good to you, but is it impacting the number of patients that are calling or requesting a consultation? Right. That's the, the ultimate test. Yeah. Yeah. One other great thing that has stuck with me that you said in the office, we talked about something. I can't remember what it was going on. And you made the comment that, yeah, I think, you know, we could do those things and bring in a few more surgeries, but everyone has to look at their quality of life. And, and I've been on the inside of a lot of bariatric clinics and there's a pretty broad spectrum of quality of life. I think there's people that, there's a few people that have a peaceful, satisfied quality of life. There's a lot, I think that are in the middle of working really hard and a little bit scrambled and running behind. And there's quite a few who are just absolutely maxed out at all times and would just die for a little break. So I think one of the, probably one of the most beneficial aspects of having a CEO slash practice administrator is someone who can ask that question. As a surgeon, you see something that could double volume or, or grow volume and nobody's there to say, Hey, remember you said you wanted to see your kids grow up and take a vacation once in a while. Right. Well, it's a constant challenge. Our guys are very, very busy surgeons. We do about 800 surgeries a year, you know, a couple hundred consults a month, and it runs at high speed. I can be in the office with two surgeons today and I'll get maybe five minutes of their time if I force my way into their schedule. Uh, they don't have a lot of sit around and let's, let's brainstorm time. We have to actually schedule that into a week to say, let's block off this one hour and let's talk, you know, strategically about some issues. Yeah. And it's one of the things I try to do with management at the surgery center. Before you present some data to the doctors, present it to me so that I have a chance to look at it and then help you redefine that report so that the surgeon doesn't have to dig for the answers that are in the report. He can spend five minutes looking at the report as opposed to 30 minutes looking at the report to try to figure out what it is you're trying to tell him or receive the data. It's, it's respecting your surgeon's time. These guys are extremely busy and every practice I've been in has been pressed for time. There's always something that needs to be done. Fire's burning both in the clinic, fire's burning at home. Uh, so it's trying to be respectful of their time so that their focus, their energies, they can get to the end of the day and go, okay, 
to the degree that we can control, to the degree that we can be kind of on top of the, the issues we are. Yeah. Yes. And I left away from the financial side, but my last question for you is, and I think it would be great approaching it from the surgeon standpoint, what are the, you know, you, you've been on the, on the inside or at least the financial inside of, of more than one bariatric clinic. Now I know you do some consulting and, and coaching for clinics. What are the financial numbers that, that they should be paying attention to, but sometimes aren't because we both know some people run their business on their bank account. Some of them have minimal reporting. Some of them have tons of reports, but don't make sense of them. If you had to say, Hey, these are the couple of things you should really watch because it, it affects everything else. What would those be? A lot of these clinics run off of the checking account, a checkbook ballot. Some of them have salary demands that don't get evaluated until it's problematic. And so, and then they just kind of dump their stuff to their accountant who generates some reports that they never really look at. Half the clinics I look at don't see monthly financial reports. And if they do, they certainly don't trend them and go, okay, how does this first quarter look against first quarter last year and first quarter of the year before are we moving in the right direction? What are the sources of those revenues? What are the sources of the expenses? You know, obviously salaries are, are a large part of every clinic's spend. So what are we spending salaries on? And in what departments and, and how productive are those departments? How effective are those departments? Every department is busy. There's enough phone call activity. There's enough patient activity. There's enough charts that need to be run down, found, responded to patients that, that have questions and calls and needs. So everybody can be busy, but I'm looking for how effective they are. And is there ways for us to do that simpler? And I think that's one of our big moves as we move into this next season. Obviously we've all had to go through COVID and saw a big shift in not only how we're seeing patients, but you know, at times most of us work with 25 to 30% of our staff out with COVID. It's, it's starting to rear its head again in our marketplace, not horribly, but enough that it, it is having some impact, but in bariatrics, yeah, I hear through the hallway, the conversations our staff is having with patients and probably 75% of every conversation with a patient is the same conversation you had 15 minutes before with the prior patient and 15 minutes before that, or 30 minutes before with that, with the patient before that. So what we're trying to do is, is take some of this repeat information and put it to video, put it into a library where it's a resource for our patients. They, they can watch that video five times if they need to understand that nutritional aspect or that vitamin or supplement aspect, or the preoperative experience, what that's going to be like and what the postoperative experience is like. We define the surgery as a tool, not, not an endpoint for these patients. So. What other tools can we give them to succeed at? And can we put that into a format where it's, they can look at it at midnight if they want to, three in the morning or on their lunch break, and they're not just calling with that same question again and again. Our providers are then able to operate at the highest level of their training. 
and that is their problem solving and they're facilitating answers for pa for patients as opposed to just repeating the same information 20 times a day. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Use technology for the repeatable things and let humans do the rest. Yeah. We want to engage our patients. We want to manage our patients. So let's deal with the outlier issues, but this basic knowledge that we need to transfer, can we put that in a format that simplifies it for the patient, simplifies it for our operation because every clinic, every business that uh, is out there right now is facing a shifting workplace and it's getting harder and harder to find and retain qualified staff and bariatrics. It, it takes us, you know, 12 to 18 months to get somebody to a level where they can confidently speak about the, the intricacies of bariatrics and, and answer those questions for those patients. Right. Yep. Man, well. Lots of good information and conversation. I, I, I have four or five other questions that I, I didn't get to today. But hopefully we can schedule a second interview if you're up for it. Sure. I'd be happy to. Yeah. Well, I know, I know you're an available resource. So if anybody reaches out to me, I'll, I'll send them on to you. And uh, man, I so appreciate your time today and, and for the interview. All right. Thanks, Maddie. Thanks, Don. Have a great day. You too.